I thank you so much for tonight. I thank you that you are good and that you are full of love towards us, that you want to know us, that you want to be our greatest ally, that you want to be our greatest defense in this world. And I thank you so much that you want to talk to us and you want to have a relationship with us. So God, I pray that our hearts would be open and that you would make us receptive to your heart tonight. And God, I pray that we would uh, feel such a peace in our lives that we don't feel like we have to look at our phones constantly or keep our phones off of silent, John. God, but you would just give us peace that surpasses all understanding, and we would just really focus in on what you're trying to tell us. In your name, amen. All right. So who here went to our summer camp this summer? Kind of summer camp. The desperation thing, yes. It wasn't desperation, our version of COVID despo. COVID despo, the bold retreat, yes. That's what it was called. Um, well, during that time, I started to get an influx of the same question over and over again. And that question is, how do I know the voice of God? And McKenna and I heard this continually from the women in our youth group. And I feel like, you know, because obviously I'm not super close to the boys. Um, no offense. I still love you. But um, I started to hear uh, as a common theme of people being like, what is the voice of God? How do I hear the voice of God in my daily life? How do I know it's God and not just me? And it got me thinking, what does that mean? What, what like, because how do you describe something like the voice of God? It's God. And so I started to think, you know, God's voice is so powerful, yet so peaceful. God's voice is so tangible, yet hard to grasp. God's voice is satisfactory. It's all that we need, and yet you feel like you can never hear enough from him. And so I'm left wondering, how do I describe it? And so I've been thinking and processing through a lot of what does that look like for us. And so I want you to nudge someone. Or pretend like you're nudging someone. Nudge someone, nudge someone, nudge someone. Tonight is all about the nudge. The nudge of the Holy Spirit. So Webster's Dictionary defines nudge as a push gently with an elbow, especially to get one's attention. So we're going to be talking about the nudge of the Holy Spirit and what that looks like in our life. So if you've never felt like you've heard the voice of God, Buckle up, because I'm about to blow your mind as to what the voice of God actually sounds like. No, there's no actual buckles, Isaac. <laughs> I can't nudge you physically because COVID. So nudge yourself, John. Do one of these. <laughs> um, okay, so we're just going to jump right into it. We're going to jump into Acts 10. If you guys have a Bible on your phone, we're going to be reading from the Passion Translation, and we're going to be talking about the Acts. Who here knows what was happening in the Church of Acts at the time? What was happening in the, bu in the book of Acts? What was that? No, not Isaac. Who else wants to go? Anybody have any ideas? Yeah, it seems like Isaac does, for sure. Krista knows? 
What was happening in the book of Acts? I'll give you a hint. It goes Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts. It's chapter 10. But what was happening in the book of Acts? What was it? Yeah, so it's basically exactly that. It's Jesus in the very end of all of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Jesus is crucified, and then he's basically resurrected, right? We know that from literally every Bible story in the Bible, that through the first four in the New Testament, Jesus, it's his life, and then he dies, and he's resurrected, and he says, now your turn at the very end of it. So the book of Acts is all about that starting to be into play. So we see things like Saul becoming Paul, which happens the chapter before we see. And so we have some crazy movements because all of a sudden the Holy Spirit is accessible to the whole body of people who love God, and they've never experienced that before. They've basically spent their lives loving God with like having no real relationship with him besides through prophets, right? So you have prophets and then you make sacrifices and you know that God is alive, but you have you don't have a real intimate relationship with him because it's dependent on others. However, you see that completely change when Jesus dies and he's resurrected. And then he leaves and he says, now it's your turn. I've given you the Holy Spirit. You will do even greater things than me. So Acts is the beginning of changing the entire face as to what it looks like to be a Christian, right? Yes, completely. So we're going to get into it. In this time, we just saw the story of Saul, like basically be blinded and be like beat up by Jesus and said, yo, dog, stop crucifying my people. You're crucifying me. And then he gets saved dramatically. He's such a dramatic guy. And then... He's like, I'm going to do this for real. I'm so jazzed to like completely change the world for Jesus. And he starts preaching the gospel all over the place. So we just saw that in Acts. And now we're going to transition to the story of Peter. Who here knows who Peter is? Peter. Ellie, who's Peter? Who is he? Just tell me some, a fun fact about him. Fun fact about Peter. <laughs> it's okay, girl. It's okay, girl. When you're on the spot, it gets rough. When you're on the spot, it gets rough. Yes. Okay, so he was a disciple, right? And he was told by Jesus on, yes, and he was known for having a lot of faith. And then remember, he's the one who denied Jesus three times. And he was, he was like, oh, yo, dog, I shouldn't have done that. And Jesus is like, it's cool, bro. I forgive you. You're going to do great things. You know, that guy. So this is his story about what happens next. So he was told by Jesus, on this rock, I will build my church. And then now we, we catch up with him, and he's actually chilling in this guy named Simon, which is also a name of Peter. His friend, also Simon at his house. And so we're going to be picking up with his story, but we're going to kind of start it at a different angle with one of his buddies, okay? So this starts, one of his buddies, his name is Cornelius. 
Didn't know him. Yeah, he's, he's not really known as being this big shot in the Bible, right? Nobody's probably heard of the name Cornelius. When you think about the name of Cornelius, you don't think about anybody in the Bible. <laughs> Who do you think of? Yeah? Good for you. I thought about a TV show that I watched one time with a guy named Cornelius in it. He was, a, he was like a weirdo, like the weird kid in the, in the TV show. Um, so this guy's name is Cornelius. He was a big shot. Big shot military dude, had tons of people in his military. He was Greek, so not Israeli, not one of the chosen Jews, people of God. But he was Greek, and he loved God. He had great character. He was always giving to the poor, giving sacrifices. He even fasted, which is next-level Christianity, yo. So he was, like, doing the stuff, and he loved God. So one day... In the afternoon, he's like chilling, getting ready. He'd just eat, you know, he, he fasted through lunch, and he was chilling. And an angel, he has a vision of an angel standing in front of him. And he's like, Cornelius, Cornelius, hey, Cornelius. And Cornelius is like, hey, what, what do you want? What do you want? Because this dude is big. Angels are dude, freaking huge if you've never seen them. I've never seen them, but from what I've heard from other people, they're like kind of terrifying, and they're huge. So this guy has an angel stand in front of him. And imagine somebody like as tall as that standing in front of you, and you're like terrified. So this angel stands in front of him, and he's like shook. So in the thing, it literally says that he was scared. And he, um, and he said, what do you want? And the angel said, I've been watching you. You're such a good guy. God loves the stuff that you've been doing for him. You've been doing all this stuff, and don't worry. It has not been in vain. God has been seeing you in the secret place when you thought nobody was watching, and you were doing the right thing, not because you, uh, you should do the right thing, but because you love God. He has seen it. And guess what? It was not in vain. So now this is what I want you to do. I want you to go get some of your dudes, because he had, like, servants and like military personnel, he had like an apprentice, he had so many different people underneath his, underneath his, you know, his reign, his rule, whatever. And um, so he, the angel's like, get some of your best guys and tell them to go to a different city to get this dude, Peter. And he's like, okay, where, where is he at? And he's like, he's hanging out with his friend Simon. So just tell your guys to go get him and then come back and he'll have a word for you. And he's like, okay, okay, okay. So I guess I'll do that. So um, then the, basically where we leave off, so I didn't want to like read you the whole story. So I've just been condensing it for you. But um, basically the dudes go to get Peter. So meanwhile, while this guy Cornelius is having his vision and getting his guys to go get Peter, this is what Peter was doing in the meantime. Does that make sense? So, like, they're doing that, and then, like, in a couple towns away, Peter is doing this. So, he's at some dude Simon's house, like I said. Um, so, um, let's see. Yeah. Yeah, okay. So, the next day around noon, I'm just going to read... Acts 10, 9 through 21. 
So the next day, around noon, as Cornelius's men were approaching Joppa, Peter, which is the place, the town, so Peter went up on the flat roof of the house to pray. So he's like, um, it's like around noon, so it's like lunchtime, and Peter is hungry, but he goes up on the top of the house, like on the rooftop. Have you ever gone up on the rooftop of a house? It's like so peaceful. Highly, 10 out of 10 recommend prayer place. Peter said so. Tell your parents. Just kidding. <laughs> um, just not, it's not right now. Yeah, there's a lot of snow. Maybe not so peaceful right now. Maybe take a, take a shovel. Anyway, um, so he went up on the flat roof of the house to pray. He was hungry, and he wanted to eat. But while lunch was being prepared, he fell into a trance and entered into another realm. As the heavenly realm opened, so like basically like he's getting this vision of a, like a realm, above, basically like not the earth, not heaven, but like this in-between. So the realm opens up, and a he- the heavenly realm opened up, and he saw something resembling a large linen tablecloth, like a big white tablecloth, and um, that descended from above, being let down to the earth by its four corners. As it floated down, he saw that it held many kinds of four-footed animals, reptiles, wild birds. Isaac, can you get me a cup of water? Um, Let's see. Okay, okay. Reptiles, wild birds, and a voice said to him, Peter, go and prepare them to be eaten. So basically, this voice is like, hey, all these four-footed animals, reptiles, wild birds, whatever, like, go eat them. And at that time, if you guys don't know the Jews, they didn't eat a whole ton of anything. Lot was not allowed. It was considered unclean to eat pigs. It was considered unclean to eat a lot of different animals because you never knew if it was clean or not, whatever. So God said that a lot of things were unclean. So basically this vision is saying, go ahead and eat these unclean things. So um, Peter, go prepare them to be eaten. But Peter replied, there's no way I could do that, Lord, for I have, for I have never eaten anything forbidden or impure according to your Jewish laws. He's like, I ain't going to do that. That's like, no, 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 no. And um, the voice spoke again. Nothing is unclean if God declares it to be clean. The vision was repeated three times because my dude, Peter, was like, no, that's not allowed. You can't, be the, you can't be the Lord. This can't be right. We're not allowed to eat unclean things. And so the vision just kept repeating. Like, have you ever been in that place where, like, you tell God that, does, that doesn't make any sense, that's not right? And God just doesn't even, like, say, oh, okay, maybe we should talk about this. He literally just keeps saying the same thing over and over and over again. That happened when I told God I didn't want to marry Isaac. (laughs) He just didn't even say, you're right, maybe we should talk about this. He just kept saying, nah, this is what we're supposed to do. This is what we're supposed to do. So, um, nothing that is unclean, nothing is unclean if God declares it to be clean. The vision was repeated three times. Then suddenly, the linen sheet was snatched back up into heaven. So it was like, Peter, yeah, I'll do that again. Peter was so stunned by the vision that he couldn't stop wondering about what it all meant. 
Meanwhile, Cornelius' men learned where Peter was staying, and in that moment, they were standing outside the gate. They called out the ho- for, they called out to who was in the house, is this where Simon the Rock is staying? As Peter was in deep thought, trying to interpret the vision, the spirit said to him, go downstairs now. So basically, like, these guys are downstairs being like, hey, is Peter in there? Where's this guy, the rock? Give me the rock. And he's like so out of it that he's not even at all paying attention to these guys because he's on top of the roof. They're like right there. He's not even in the house, okay? So like he can hear him outside the house screaming his name, but he can't hear because he's just like, what? Why would you tell me that, God? I don't get it. Why would you tell me to eat something unclean? And he's so deep in thought that he's literally not paying attention to anything that's happening around him. As Peter was in deep thought trying to interpret the vision, the spirit said to him, so God literally had to like tell him because he was just like not, not even like thinking about anything else. So because he was in such deep thought, God had to tell him, the spirit had to tell him, go downstairs now for three men are looking for you. Do not hesitate to go with them because I have sent them. Peter went downstairs to the men and said, I believe I'm the one you're looking for. What brings you here? So I'm going to unpack that first part a little bit, and then we're going to move into the last part. So do you guys get it? Do you guys get what, Peter, what, what was happening to Peter? So like this dude Cornelius has his guys come to get him. Cornelius is like, for some reason, God's told me that this guy Peter has a word for me. And meanwhile, Peter's like, getting this download of this really weird vision that he's like, I don't get why you would tell me that it's cool for me to eat bacon, which, come on, God just gave you permission to eat bacon. You gotta do it. (laughs) So, this is what I have to say. If you want to hear from God, you know, sometimes what happened to Saul who became Paul, where he has this crazy experience with God, sometimes that happens. But if you already know God, majority of the time, the way that the ball will get rolled is because you are hungry for God. And I don't say that because I'm like, you have to fake it, fake it till you make it, because that's not what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about pretending like you want God showing up to church, reading your Bible, because who knows it's possible for you to read the Bible and not love God. It's possible. However, I'm talking about hunger for God. And how do you, how do you get that hunger, right? Because a lot of us will say, I'd like to hear from God, but, you know, life happens. I'll try to read my Bible here and there, but you wonder Why am I not getting it? Why is this relationship not taking off? And a lot of times the reason why we're trying, but it's not working, is because we do not have that hunger. And people who read the Bible aren't people who get fed. People who are hungry are people who get fed. And that's why you see that disconnect so often. So, it all starts with hunger and thirst for God. It's like, have you ever been going through your day? You know, you drink 
whatever, orange juice, water, whatever, when you first wake up, eat breakfast, but then like life moves forward, and you're at school, or homeschool, you're doing your thing, you're going through your day, and then all of a sudden you realize it's like 2 p.m., you've been really busy all day, and you realize you have not drank any water. Who's ever done that? Is that just a me thing? Because I do that all the time. So here's the deal, guys. You were thirsty the majority of the day, but you didn't know it. You didn't know it. But then when you realize that you're thirsty and you're like, oh, my spit is foamy, then you're like, maybe I should drink something because I feel like I've got this gag in my throat. So you finally drink something and then you're like, oh man. And you drink like 20 ounces straight, right? Like you're like, I'm gonna make up for that time. You know, I'm gonna drink 20 ounces and then get a stomach ache because like that's the way it works. So we can do that with God. There are so many times that we are thirsty for God, but we are so busy that we don't even know that we're thirsty. So what do we do about that? What do we do about that gap? I say that if you are continually drinking, you will continually know you're thirsty because who's had a water bottle on them? How much more likely are you to drink water? like a million times more. Like you drink water all the time when you have a water bottle on you because you've got that spout that like makes it so enjoyable to drink water and you're continually getting cold water. So you're like really enjoying it and you realize that you're thirsty often because you're continually drinking water. So we can do that with God. We can think that we're fine. We can be so busy that we never realize that we're thirsty when we actually really, really need him. And that happened all the time. Elijah, like John was talking about, Elijah had the earthquake. Elijah had the fire. Elijah had the wind. But God wasn't in any of those. God was in that still small voice in the back of your mind saying, you're thirsty, you're thirsty. And you don't even realize it because you see the earthquake because you're not hungry for the word. You don't realize that there's that still small voice. You're too busy focused on the things right in front of your face. And that's what happened with Peter. So you saw him, he was hungry. He was really hungry. It was noon, he was ready for lunch. He was not fasting that day. And he's like, I'm really hungry. And they're like, okay, we're gonna make a meal. Don't worry about it, bro, I got you. And he was like, Okay, while you do that, though, I'm going to spend a little bit of time with Jesus. So he went up on the roof, prayed while he was hungry, and that is when God downloaded to him something that he didn't even understand. He was like just being told by God these things that he was like, what the heck? So when you're hungry, run to God. Whether that's hungry emotionally, whether that's hungry like when you feel that empty hole in your heart of friendship, when you feel that empty hole in your heart from relationship, when you feel that empty hole in your heart from like feeling like you're a failure, like you can't do school. Ellie got a really great grade on her uh, math test, but like I really sucked at school, okay? And I had to go to God all the time because I felt so defeated. And when you're defeated, when you feel empty inside, those are the times that you need to run to God, right? 
You don't want to just run to God when your whole entire life's falling apart. You want to run to God every single time that you feel a little bit of emptiness inside. So, we got to listen to that still small voice, right? For Peter, it was him being hungry and getting alone to pray. And then God just did stuff. Um, Jeremiah 29, 13 says, You will seek me and find me when you seek me with your whole heart. And I just want that to like sit in us for a minute. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with your whole heart. How many times do we only give God part of our heart? Or we only give him part of our time? He wants us to seek him with our whole heart. That means in every area of our life. That means in the areas that we think God isn't even interested in, because he is. This guy was just hungry, physically. He was like, yo, dog, I'm hungry, so I'm going to go alone with Jesus. And I think that that's such a valuable thing, because even in the mundane tasks in our life, even when we're like, I really don't want to do the dishes, because like, I never want to do the dishes. Isaac can attest to that. I hate the dishes. So when I need to do the dishes, I put on a Lisa Bevere podcast, and I get myself filled up with Jesus, because I know that in that time, even if it is a small mundane task, that thing that I don't want to do, I will invite God into that daily thing that I hate. Why? Because those are some of the times that I get so much revelation from God. It's possible to read the Bible and not love God. It's possible to do good things like serving your parents or whatever and not love God. This guy Cornelius, it wasn't that he fed the poor because people fed the poor all the time. It was that he loved God and because of that, he was overflowing with compassion for people who are poor. And because of that, it led him to give. And the attitude of his heart was different. His heart was set on seeking God. And because of that, God saw that. And if you read the eloquency of the way that the angel says those things that he, the things that he did, it says that they're a beautiful thing and a sweet aroma that is being lifted up into God's throne room forever. Isn't that amazing that the things that we do can matter nothing, but the things that we do, if we do it for the love of God, can bring everything to God. I just spat. Did you see that? See that, Zeke? Just did a little spit. Yeah, I saw that. It's possible to have a political stance for the Lord and not love God, right? We can vote. We can, you guys can't vote, but you guys can vote. <laughs> You can have a political stance and be really passionate about it in your schools, be really passionate about it online or to your friends or whatever. But if you don't love God, it literally does not matter. I've seen a lot of pain be done because people have political stances without the love of God. So the truth is God wants us to delight ourselves in him. It's not about this concept of needing to do things for God because we have to do and because we love, we have to show all this stuff. But it's about this idea of delighting in ourselves and God that really changed Cornelius and Peter's lives in this, in this story. Psalm 37, 4 says, Take delight in the Lord and he will give you the desires of, his heart, of your heart. Sorry. 
And then Hebrews 11:6 says, "And without faith, it is impossible to please God, because anyone who comes to Him must believe He exists and that He rewards those who earnestly seek Him." And we have to know that, right? As Christians, our entire lifestyle hinges on faith, which really stinks, because like you want to just be able to do things without like really thinking about it and you want to just be a robot sometimes but you really don't want to be a robot you want somebody to not tell you what to do but really like we need to know that if we earnestly seek him he really will meet us where we're at he really really will and that's faith is knowing that even though you don't feel like he could meet with you right now you know in your heart he will if you seek him with your whole heart, you will find him. And sometimes God hides himself, right? Sometimes it's not easy. A Proverbs that I'm sure Isaac knows, Proverbs 25.2 says, It's God's privilege to conceal things and the king's privilege to discover them. And it's that concept that not everybody in the world gets the treasure. That's just the way it is. Some people will never get it. Kings get it. Kings get that you need to search things out in this world. Kings get that you need to fight for something that you love. And because of that, they're seeking it out. It's treasure. So the first, the first idea of this nudge is that it really does start with hunger. It really does start with thirst. Because if we... Ask God, he will give us answers. If we seek him out, we will find him. So if you want to hear the voice of God, if you want to feel that nudge, the option is to seek him out. It sounds really dumb because it's like fairly obvious, but it's something that we don't do. We don't hunger for him. We sometimes go through the motions and we need to like ask God to search our heart. We need to ask God, where am I doing this in my life? So that's the first thing. The second thing is that those simple obediences, like Cornelius sending his dudes to go get Peter, those simple obediences, like Peter saying yes to, to meeting with God and praying, those simple obediences lead us to our destiny. And this is something that I want you guys to know because our culture has this great desire to have destiny in us. And we were created for destiny, to be honest. It's not wrong. This concept of destiny is something that forces us to think about college, forces us to think about what our career is going to be when we're like 12 years old. We're like, what am I going to do with my life? You're like 12 years old, and you're like, have this sense in your heart of destiny. What am I destined to do? And those simple obediences to God are what leads you your destiny. So I want to talk about trajectory for a second. Yes, it is a line. This represents a simple obedience towards God. This represents another simple obedience to God. And I'm going to keep doing that. Keep step by step 
having these simple obediences for the rest of my sermon. Okay. Let's see. The next part that I'm going to be at is Acts 10, 24 through 29, and then 34 through 36. So the first part is um, I wanted to basically say that, you know, in the meantime, so where we left off is that basically they found Peter, right? And Peter was like told by God, hey, they're here. Stop being a dupe face. Go downstairs. They're here. And so he's like, hey, I think you're talking about me. So by that time, because noon is when he was hungry, by the time that the dudes got there and got settled and talked to him about, they were like, yo, our friend Cornelius, our, like we serve this dude named Cornelius, he loves you. And he was told by God that you need to come here to go see him. And he's like, okay, well, it's a little bit late in the day because like it was a while. You had to walk everywhere. It's not like you could just drive an hour to Bozeman, you know? So because of that, he's like, it's a little bit late in the day. How about this? How about if you hang out at my boy's house tonight, you guys kick it here, and then in the morning we'll head over to Cornelius' house and meet this dude who's been asking for me. So they do that. They sleep at their house, and then they head out the next day. So the next day they arrive at Quesaria. Quesadilla. Um, <laughs> that's my best definition. I don't know the word of the name. But they, they basically got to this guy's Cornelius' house. Look. Quesadilla. <laughs> okay, okay. So they got to Quesadilla, where Cornelius was waiting anxiously. Where Cornelius was waiting anxiously. So this guy's, like, waiting. His guys have left him, and he's like, oh, boy, when's this guy going to come back? Maybe he thought that Peter was going to come back that night or that next day, but he's, like, super jazzed to meet this guy, Peter. So... He's sitting there anxiously waiting for them, and they had gathered together all of his relatives and close friends. So he basically was like, hey, all of my friends, all my relatives, literally everybody that I know, come on over to my house. I've got this guy Peter coming, and he's about to download something real cool. And so <laughs> Peter arrives, and literally it says the moment Peter arrived, he walked in the door, Cornelius fell at his feet to worship him. So there's like all the whole house full of people. And this dude, Cornelius, Peter like just like gets done walking here from like a different town. He comes in the door and this dude, Cornelius, falls at his feet. There's like a ton of people in the house and he's like, what is happening here? And so um, the moment Peter walked in the house, Cornelius fell at his feet to worship him. But Peter pulled him off of, up to his feet and said, Stand up, for I'm only a man no different than you. So he's basically like, don't worship me, man. I'm just a person. And um, they talked together and then went inside, where Peter found a large gathering waiting to hear his words. Peter said to them, you all know that it is against Jewish laws for me. So basically at that time, he was, he was basically giving them the download, saying, it's against Jewish laws for me to associate with even or even visit the home of somebody who was not a Jew. He's like, I'm not allowed to even be here, guys. I'm not allowed to be in somebody's house that's not a Jew. Um, yet God has shown me that I should never view anyone as inferior or, or ritually unclean. So when you sent for me, I came without objection. Now, 
may I ask why you sent me? He's like, I'm not technically supposed to be here by Jewish law, but like God told me that I really am no better than anyone else. So why did you bring me here? And the guy basically told him the whole story. Like told him about the, the angel in front of him, told him about the, the guy telling him that he needs to send his dudes. So he sent his dudes. And so he said, so tell me the message that God gave me. And at this point, like, Peter was, like, just standing there. He wouldn't have known that Peter had, like, this big message. However, he trusted in the Lord, and his simple obedience told him that Peter had something for him, right? So, Peter said, so this is Peter's reply to him. Peter said, now I know for certain that God does not want to show favoritism to people, but treats everyone on the same basis. So this was like completely crazy for him to say this. In their time, it was literally like, you just do not talk to people who are not Jews if you're a Jew. You just don't. And he's like saying these crazy things that nobody had ever heard before. People who weren't Jews had never heard this from a Jew. Now I know for certain that God does not show favoritism, meaning for me, with people, but treats everyone on the same basis. It makes no difference what race of people one belongs to. If they show deep reverence for God and committed to doing what's right, they are acceptable before him. God sent his word to the Jewish people first, announcing the wonderful news of hope and peace through Jesus, the anointed one, Lord of all. So he was basically saying, oh my gosh, this whole time. So if you know, remember the story the day before? He was like, oh my gosh, I had no idea that yesterday when God was telling me about unclean things and he talked about that big, remember the big sheet that was all across the world with all the different animals, all the different whatevers, it all of a sudden occurred to him. This whole time, God was talking about people. He does not show favoritism to the Jews. He does not say that something, remember the unclean noise that Jesus was talking about? He was like, oh my gosh, this whole time, it has nothing to do with being unclean or unclean. It has everything to do with being in love with Jesus. And he was like, so that completely changed the trajectory of the church. That was completely insane for him to say something like this. And yet there he was completely changing the course of the entire circle of Christianity. And that now, now you and I know Jesus because Peter was like, yo dog, we shouldn't say that other people are unclean just because they're not Jews. It matters if they love Jesus. So that simple obedience of the beginning led to their destiny. Now I want to talk about at the beginning. Okay. Oh yeah. Also, they were like baptized in the Holy Spirit and baptized for real. Um, and since then the church has never, it's just never been the same. 
So Peter said, how could anyone object to these people being baptized? For they have received the Holy Spirit just as I have. So he instructed them to be baptized in the power of the name of Jesus, the anointed one. Which is just amazing, because people had never been baptized besides Jews. And so, just to reiterate that those simple obediences lead us to the destiny. Just like this wasn't a horse when I started it, right? It was a line. But that little bit of a line, I know, I'm not the best drawer. However, I will say this, I am better drawing horses than most things. So this is the best that my artwork is. <laughs> what? Oh, yeah. I am missing something. It's a unicorn now. <laughs> okay, 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 okay. You would have never known that was going to be a unicorn when I first started it out, right? And sometimes that's the way it is when we're obedient. And when God tells us to do something, we just start doing it. And the more that we start doing it, even though, like, Peter was like, what the heck are you talking about, God? But I guess I'll do it. What the heck are you talking about, God? But I guess I'll do it. And the more that he did it, the more that he was obedient, the more that he started to see the picture that God was painting. And so in the end, he was able to, to say for sure, he was like, now I know for sure what God is saying. God is saying that everybody can know him. And by that, he fulfilled his destiny. Remember? Matthew 16, 18 through 19. It says, and I tell you, this is Jesus talking. He says, now I tell you that you are Peter. And on this rock, I will build my church. And the gates of Hades will not overcome it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. And it's that thing that was fulfilled through his simple obedience and he got it not at the beginning probably not even when jesus told him this he was like what are you talking about jesus but like in the end it led him to his destiny which was to be the rock which was to be the rock of the church and so um i just wanted to like let us isaac do you have that song yeah, thanks. So I just wanted us to take a little bit and like just seek the Lord because God more often than not starts with these little nudges, these little things that end up being taking you on this trajectory to your destiny. And so I just wanted to say that like for my own life, I've even, I've even seen it to be true in my own life. Like even just the other day, for the past few weeks, I've been starting to piece together this idea of honor and this idea of a valley. These two things are stuff that God's been like continually telling me. You guys remember when we had the prophecy night like a few weeks ago? During that time, Kim Cooney told me that like I'm in a valley season. And that was something that she said that really stood out to me. And then right after that, Tim starts this series on Sundays that's all about the valleys in our lives. And it's, so I'm starting to piece it together, and I still don't fully understand it. Just so you guys know, I'm, I'm still in process. I don't know what that means for me. But I do know that, like, I'm starting to see a theme here. And so the more that you're obedient to God, the more that you place yourself in his presence, whether that's through prayer, whether that's through reading the word, whether that's through prophecy, all these different ways that we've been talking about the voice of God, 
regardless of what way it is, you'll start to piece things together. And you'll know it because, like I said, you have that peace. You have this idea of destiny that you feel this in your spirit, this heaviness that this is for me. And you'll start to feel that piece together. So I just wanted to, like, give you guys some time at the end here to really um, seek the Lord, to really, like, ask him, um, ask him to reveal himself to you, and just do whatever you need to do to do that, whether that's opening your Bible, doing the holy flip like I do sometimes, whether that's that, whether that's praying, whether that's going to somebody and asking for wisdom like we talked about, like getting good wisdom from friends, whether that's talking to a leader and asking for prophecy, whatever it is, whatever spiritual gift that you need, whatever way that you hear from God, I want you guys to take a tiny bit of time at the end here and ask God to reveal himself to you and ask God, tell him that you just love him, tell him that you want to know him, tell him that you want to seek his face and he'll be faithful to reveal himself to you. So I just wanted to take a little bit of time to do that at the end, and then we're going to get in a small group, and we're just going to have one big group tonight, okay? We're not going to do two groups because there's, like, only a few people here. That'd be weird. I guess it wouldn't be that weird. (laughs) Okay, okay. So spend some time with Jesus, whatever that looks like for you.